0: I want to share something with you. A friend called me this week. I met this friend. He always had this thing he said. and it, At first it sounds a little bit selfish. But he always says, man, Jesus loves me. Man, Jesus loves me. And I thought, that's pretty wild. And he goes, but Jesus loves you too. And he called me this week. And, and the first thing out of his mouth, I knew it was him. Because it was, and he goes, but I just want to tell you, Jesus loves you. And he just kept saying it. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. And and I go, you're right, God, like Jesus loves me. I want you guys to do something a little bit awkward this morning. Say it with me. Let's say Jesus loves me. One, two, three. Jesus Jesus loves loves me. me. Let's say it one more time. Jesus Loves loves me. And sometimes you just have to say that to yourself. The world is not, it's not really good at reminding us what this thing love is all about, right? And when we hear those things, like the first time I heard step in the mountains in New Mexico, I thought, that's a grown man, like talking about how Jesus loves him. You know, it caught me off guard for a moment. But I've come to, I've come to admire and come to respect and just those words and even coming out of my phone this week, Jesus loves you. God, there's something mainly and masculine about it. I think if Jesus was standing in front of this today, he'd be ripped with his carpenter's muscles. He'd be a little bit dirty because he just walked through the desert, you know. He'd be refreshed because he just drank fresh water out of the well. And he would be satisfied because he just had dinner with some of the most sinful and some of the most loving people that you could ever meet. And he just poured love. God, that's what. Valentine's Day is about, it's about God's love. It's also about this, like I was hoping we could do some Beatles rendition, right? Trombones and trumpets, all we need is love. Some of the lyrics from that song, there's nothing you can do that can't be done. Nothing you can sing that can't be sung. And it finishes, all you need is love. Love is all you need. I don't know about you, but Beatles kind of had their time on top of the world, right? Like, I remember as a kid, I used to watch some of these bizarre, fantastic musical movies. Was it Sgt. Pepper's where they had the spinning trumpet guy? The Yellow Submarine? Like, this is phenomenal. Like, they had fantastic music. Lyricist Paul McCartney said this in one of his interviews about the song, All You Need Is Love. He said, it was an inspired song. And they really wanted to give the world a message. We really wanted to give the world a message. The nice thing about it is is it cannot be misinterpreted. It's a clear message saying love is everything. The way we live this life, the longer we're in this world, the more we realize there is something about this grace and love that Christ brought us. There is something about a harmony, right, that is peaceful and loving and forgiving And just walking in that. First John 4 7 through 21 that's our main scripture today I'm gonna read it for you so turn with me in your Bibles whether it's your digital Bible or your traditional Bible. First John 4 starting at 7. Beloved let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God And knows God. And whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. Do I know God today? Do I have love today? It's a daily, daily thing. In verse 9 it says, In this love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to take the place of our sin, to pay a debt. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us. so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment, the day we stand before Christ, because as he is also, we are in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has sent cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. This is what's amazing. And I, for some of you in the room, maybe for some of you guys, just like man, it just sounds like sounds like a Hallmark movie. Like we God just talked to us about loving and I mean, who loves Hallmark in here? Who, who can admit that they, that they binge what Hallmark Right. This is John sharing with us this thing called love that gives us a hint into who God really is. I mean, he's the master engineer of the universe. He literally created everything we see and know and even things we don't know yet in six days and rested on the seventh. So the master engineer, the creator, that could have come down here to tell us anything and everything about how this earth was made. He could have unveiled his genius and made us all just Einsteins in a moment by pouring that knowledge into us. He literally could have departed so much knowledge with us. But he departs this, this thing about love. In so many of our songs, whether they're secular or Christian or country, if you guys like country, you know, Robert Earl King or you guys know, think of your favorite artists. It's about most of it's about love. Our teenagers, you know, our kids, we fear the day they wake up and go, I'm in what? I'm in love. And you're like, oh, no, please, let's not do this right now. I thought, I thought we were going to wait till you were 30, you know. It's because God knew we needed to know what love really is. We need a book that just tells us what this thing is. What's amazing is he says, I am love. Love, love, love. More than anything, literally more than anything, I'm convinced this is what we need. Jesus knew this was going to be our greatest need. Jesus' simple command requires great strength that any of us naturally possess. This command to love one another, it actually is something that we within our natural selves, we literally cannot fathom. Like We, we can't even muster it up because it's not, it's not a natural thing. It is within our DNA, but it requires the Holy Spirit within us He talks all through the scripture, and I'll read it in a moment again. Focus on the part where he says, I want you to abide in me, and I will abide in you. That is the start of understanding who God is. When we are walking with Christ, when I'm dying to my natural self, and my natural self looks more like Rocky on one of his bad days where he just got completely beat up, and he wants to run down the street and just just cold cock creed upside the head, right? with No warning. It's called a sucker punch. That, that's natural self. did you guys ever feel that way? Like, I'm going to go even the score on this one. He's saying in our natural selves, when we're not abiding with him, we look more like that. But daily, when I say, Christ, like, I want you. God, I want the real you. I, I want the You. And I want to be the self that you created me to be. Abide in me. And let me abide in you. Thank you for giving me your spirit. I felt it this morning during worship again. Like I, everyone's singing these songs. I thought it was cool that he even said, I'm going to need your help to sing. Because everybody did. Like everybody responded to that. And like sang volume 20. I felt it. It was amazing. I think every now and then we get a glimpse of supernatural God-inspired love. When God's children act out of Christian love, think about you this week. When we, his child, act out of Christian love, when we have the spirit within us, it's supernatural when we obey and serve others, when we obey and forgive others for the 78th time, right? Not because of fear, but because of God's love. So Paul said it this way in Romans, Romans 12, 9 through 10 says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Look at that contrast just just for the moment. It's okay to despise what is evil, right? Even scripture says, pray for your enemies. But think about it this way. When God looks at us, he loves us. And it doesn't even matter whether we know him. It doesn't even matter whether we've accepted him. Like, he loves us. He loves us because he is love, and he loves us. Absolutely, he hates when we get off the path, and we we go back into our, what, Rocky Balboa flesh. And he's like, I hate that. I hate when you do that. Here's what's cool. He's saying, that's not you, though. That's not who I created you to be. That's not who I am. Love must be sincere, sincerely in the spirit, sincerely in God, sincerely in obedience, sincerely in submission. Sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Cling is like this action, it's like this, uh, I mean, of course I think of Reynolds rap, right? Like what, what would Reynolds rap not cling to? Pretty much almost anything. But cling to what is good be devoted to one another in brotherly love honor one another above yourselves this is where we start to get the hint whether you're single or whether you're married or whether you have a business partner i mean doc's got a new friend that bought out his company and like you're you're going to be friends for a little while while you pass the books and pass the training and um but what's what's interesting about brothers who grew up with brothers and never had a fight with that brother or sister for that instance. No, I'm pretty sure some of the nastiest fights have been between <laughs> brothers and sisters. Would you agree? Like, I remember the days of bamboo sticks and we were playing Vietnam War, like prisoner. And that was my, my family. And we were chasing each other up trees and you couldn't come down until 5 p.m. at the end of the day. And it's like 11 a.m. And if you came down out of the tree because you were hungry for lunch, you were gonna get beat with a bamboo stick because we were playing prisoner of war. That's brotherly love, right? On, so, on, on a terrible day. And you better not whine about it because you're all getting the spanking if anybody whines about it. Like that was a rule in our house. No, brotherly love is, it's, it's the good, the bad, the ugly. It's we're family. We're blood to the very end. And we get to decide, man, am I going to have to forgive him again today? Am I going to, do I have to love them again today? Yes, because they're your brother. And that's what brothers and sisters do, right? We forgive, we love. It's really interesting. Devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor. This is the really hard part, especially when we've had those conflicts together. Husbands and wives, it's Valentine's Day. Like, let's not talk about conflicts for another seven days. Let's just focus on the good stuff today, right? Honor one another above yourself. This is where we we get to start seeing God's heart, what what love really means. Honoring one another above ourselves means I will do anything for you. He didn't create this universe and all these stars and these infinite heavens and the complexity of us and all these animals. I think he created some for his enjoyment, but I think he created it for us. And him together abiding again, right? There's something incredible to think that God created all of this for us. The mountains, the stars, the universe, the salmon in the sea, every single bit of it. All the species of fish, even thinking about that for a moment, how beautiful they are. It's incredible to think, wow, he created all of that for us to enjoy. And then how Brotherly and sisterly again, right? How uniquely and different in all the different gifts that we have and that were made. Isn't there something to that It's interesting? A new command I give to you above and beyond the 10 commandments. This command, it's an imperative, it's a key to life. John 13, 34 through 35, it's, I, I love this and I gave you those other scriptures before this one but if you hear anything today, hear this one. I was trying to set the stage for this one because we've heard it so many times, but sometimes we don't really understand what it's trying to say to us. John 13, 34 says, Jesus said, this is from someone who's 100% man, 100% God. He's both God and man. He's both flesh and supernatural. He's telling us, he's literally telling us the one thing he wants us to hear above all other things. He said, a new commandment I give to you. There's no option in this one. It's just obey it. That you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Literally, he gave Beatles like the lyrics for their one of their best songs. Love is all you need love is all we need he gave us i think the secret to this universe the secret to living harmonious relationships with one another the secret to literally success at work a successful marriage success with our kids as they get older and we find out they're just as hard-headed as i am right they've got all the flaws that that i wish that i was hoping that they wouldn't get and they're looking at us as parents going God, my parents aren't as smart as I thought, you know? They they come back around at 24, 25. They actually start thinking you're smart again at that age, I think. Christ is literally trying to give us the missing code, the missing key, that missing component in chemistry that said, no, this, this is what makes it work. Like I promise you, when you're breathing your last breath and you're sitting there and your heartbeat monitor's going and maybe you have the oxygen on your face, And hopefully, your family and friends are in the room. You're not thinking about your last promotion. You're not thinking about how much money is or is not in the bank. You're not thinking about that great day of golf where you beat all your buddies and they had to buy lunch. You're thinking about those people you love and those people that loved you that touched your life and you touched theirs. Christ is saying, all you need is love. I promise you, if you hang on to this one, it will set the trajectory of your life and be more incredible and more fulfilling than you'd ever know. All you need is love. To love is a command. It's pretty wild how he came down and he didn't say, you know, he didn't say, oh, you can love if you want to. If you want to live a great life, maybe you might want to love. Forgive when you want to. Forgive when when you feel like it, right? He He didn't say that. He said, no, I'm commanding you to love. A new command I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples. It is a strategic plan nonetheless. He's basically saying, hey, don't, lose your life and distraction to the things that I'm telling you are not that important. I'm trying to give you the key to the most fulfilling, most joyful, most adventurous, and exhilarating life you could have. I want the world to know that you are mine. I want everyone to know that you abide in me and I in you and that this universal principle, this universal truth is just pouring through you. Don't let the Hallmark Channel or the aisle number seven at Walmart, the Valentine's aisle, which is now empty. Don't let the misconception of of what we thought love is based on ooey gooey relationships. Don't let those things distract you from what love really is. That God is love. That he sent Christ for us because he loved us. Luke 17, three through four, says it this way. So watch yourselves. Again, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them, correct them in love, in truth, in a spirit of reconciliation. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, that's the brothers and sisters I remember. I remember croquet mallets, knives. Like, it was like knives out in my house. I, I don't know about you guys, but when a single mom's at work and she leaves three creative geniuses at home with one another, we, we love each other too. We loved each other tremendously. If your brother or sister sins <laughs> against you, rebuke them, and if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day, And seven times comes back to you saying, I repent. This is the important part. If they're asking you to forgive them, you must forgive them. And I don't know if you're wrestling with one person in your family or someone at work or someone even within the church, right? Who knows? The church is not a perfect place. The church is a place for the last, the lost, the least, the most hurting Hurt people, hurt people. And so with this grace, with empathy, with looking at one another through the eyes that God has for us, each one of us, He looks at you full of love and full of grace and full of forgiveness. He wants us to step in those shoes. And it and it just a little bit of a healthy boundary conversation here. I love. Um, Boundaries by Cloud and Townsend. It doesn't mean you have to let those people back into your life, but it does mean that you need to love and pray for them and forgive them. I've read that book so many times. I think I'm a little bit black and white about those rules and I'm very protective of my heart. So I tend to sometimes say, I love you and I'm praying for you, but it's gonna take a while until I trust you again. That's okay. It's actually okay. Because if we're all, remember, as brothers and sisters walking together towards God, abiding in Christ, in love, forgiving and praying for one another, what's going to happen? He brings us back together. Mark 11, 25 to 26 says it this way. And whenever you stand praying, an active relationship, seeking God, abiding in him, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive them. Sometimes you have to have even a forgiveness list and a forgiveness basket that literally moves people and things out of the forgiveness basket into the forgiven basket. And you, and you just say, I forgive this person, and you put it over here. I forgive this person, and you put it over here. You wake up the next day, that basket's full again, right? Like those thoughts are going to your head again. You go all over again. I forgive this person again. I forgive this person again. And eventually... This basket is no longer full. Eventually, it gets to the point where it's no longer full. But forgiveness, if you you haven't heard anything, is a process. Loving is a constant, intentional process. If you've been married more than two weeks, you know this now. Right when the honeymoon's over, and if you're still single, waiting for that, that perfect person, forgiveness is a process. Love is so intentional. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you of your trespasses. That is a part where I think it's working on our faith and fear and trembling. That's why if you guys have ever heard it, that when we don't forgive, it's basically what? Drinking a poison into ourselves. When we don't forgive, it literally will eat will eat our soul and our mind. And it, it there's something about it that coats our heart, That will not even allow God's love to penetrate it when we don't forget, when we hold those wrongs against our brothers and sisters, when we, in our Rocky Balboa-like natural flesh, no, I'm I'm gonna go sit in the wilderness and fight this out, you know, right? You know, I'm gonna go lift some tree trunks and get muscles, right? I'm gonna do this myself. Horrible Rocky impersonation. When we're that guy, unforgiveness literally we get nowhere love and forgive to love is living in harmony to love is living in harmony man i am telling you what if i'm preaching to anyone today i'm preaching to myself because i am a choleric driver like get in the tank let's go take this hill and if you don't want to go take this hill and get in the tank fine like stay back there and fight but we're going like that's my personality Load the shell. Somebody aim it. Somebody pull the trigger. I'm like, I'm super black and white, really simple. And either you love that about me or you don't. So loving is living in harmony. Like literally God is wearing me down about this harmony part. Even this week, like wearing me down. A piece of glass on Glass Beach on the Coast Guard base. Like I think I'm finally like just a little bit of a speck now. Wearing me down, but I love this story. Here's a tip for those of you that are married, and for those of you that are that are praying about that. Here's here's just some really good advice that I found to be true. Want a happy marriage. Do the dishes together. Let me read this. What is it about the dishes? It offers. One possible reason this article doing the dishes is gross. There is old, moldy food sitting in the sink. Who has that, right? Who who lets that stay for more than a day is the question. Like some of us do. Like it, It's it, in our house. It's like no. That's not. That's not mine. That's yours, right? Like that, I didn't do that one. That's, that's your gross avocado. Whatever thing you drank and didn't finish it. There is old, moldy food sitting in the sink. If you have kids, there's curdled milk and sippy cups, right? That smells disgusting, usually in the back of the car, like underneath the third seat, that sippy cup, that thing will get ripe right during the summer. <laughs> Woo! Couples who do share dishwashing responsibilities seem to have better relationships. That's because a couple that can do the dishes as a team, I, I hear there's one couple in here that one of them's got a scientific process for the best way to do dishes, and the other one says, so like, go for it, I will never get it right. The couples that do the dishes as a team, when partners each handle some portion of the household tasks, they divide them in one of two ways. They either split the chores, you cook Monday, I'll cook Tuesday, or when they do them together at the same time. It's usually usually either or. The nature of dishwashing encourages couples to stand in the kitchen together and work simultaneously until the job is done. That kind of teamwork, especially when practiced regularly, often makes partners feel more connected and ready to tackle the gross and curdled in and outside of the sink. Like, guys, here's a tip for you. So, so ladies, it takes them a long while to warm up to romance, if you haven't figured it out yet. Like, guys are more like a light switch. Y'all heard that before? Like, like we're ready for romance on the switch of a light. That's just how God made us. Ladies are like more like it, 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 it's a slow cook timer. It takes all day long, and so I've heard the best advice is like romance starts in the kitchen. So so if you really want to like you know sweep your wife off her feet, like start in the kitchen with her. Like do those dishes, you know, and, and maybe maybe ditch the process for a couple times. No, uh, you know, just start in the kitchen. Like it's it's like loving and serving one another, or that thing that she just loves. Loves to do or loves for you to do, right? Pay attention to those love languages. It's about the practical things. Again, remember, God sent his son to what? To abide in us, his spirit. Marriage is a what? It's a a reflection of Christ's love with the church, the abiding with his people. So when we truly abide with one another, do the dishes together, like do the laundry together, whatever it is that thing that your spouse or significant other, or for those that are single, your friendships, life-giving relationships that you pour into and they pour into you, like be intentional. We are made to abide in one another, to live in harmony. First Peter 3, 8 through 17 says it this way. Finally, everyone must live in harmony. Be sympathetic, love each other, have compassion, be humble. If there was ever a scripture for me this week, literally where God's like talking to me, this is it. Like I needed this one this week. Finally, everyone must live in harmony. Like I am not a natural harmonizer. My personality, again, is a natural disruptor. I don't know why. I don't know if it's sinful. I don't know if that's what God made me. Like, I'm still discovering new things about myself. If you, if you look at the pastoral gifts or ministry gifts, every one of you should take this APES test. I'll put it on our website and put it on social media this week. It actually will tell you your gifts are apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherd, teacher. Most pastors in the world are shepherd teachers. Guess what pastor you guys got? Apostle prophet. (laughs) An apostle prophet is like black and white, take the hill. I don't care if I lose an arm and a leg. We're still going to get there because the mission is that great. I don't know why God sent an apostle prophet here. And by the way, shepherd is third for me. So shepherd's in there. But I'd love for you guys to do that, to take the test because it's not a pastor thing. It's a ministry thing. Once you accept Christ and you have the spirit in your life, each one of us have these gifts. And once you know what your gifting is, this is that whole thing with harmony. You know how it blends together with the organizations you're at, starting with the church, starting with your brothers and sisters. Same thing at work. Once you know what your spiritual gifts are, and I know people who's done the Enneagram or the disc test or the myers Brig and all of those things at work, as followers of Christ, we have to know the other part of our makeup. Like, we have to know our spiritual gift to know, to actually help reveal our purpose here on this planet. Even, it, it, it's awesome, because it even points to why you took the job you did. Like, why you have the spouse that you do. Like, it starts to show, like, no, this is who I've made you to be. Finally, everyone must live in harmony, be sympathetic, love each other, have compassion, I also like the word empathy. Walk in someone else's shoes. And be humble. This is big. Do not pay back evil for evil that they do to you or ridicule those who ridicule you. Instead, bless them because you are called to inherit a blessing. People who want to live a full life and enjoy good days must keep their tongues from saying evil. That's a huge one for me. I'm an external processor. And who's like me? Who speaks before they think? And no, sometimes it's sharp, and you wish you'd never said it. But the moment it comes out of your mouth, for those of us that are external processors, like that's like, he's giving us this warning saying, don't do that. I'm trying to bless you. And you literally, the tongue has a power of what? Of life and death. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to get to see what that scripture really means. People who want to live a full life and enjoy good days must keep their tongues from saying evil things and their lips from speaking deceitful things. They must turn away from evil and do good. It's a repentance again, right? They must seek peace, harmony, and pursue it. Every one of us will learn this one. Here's a Valentine's Day scripture. That will work miracles in your relationship. Write this one down. And if you live by this one, I promise you, you're going to have the most peaceful, harmonious, loving. I'm trying to hype this one up big time. I I need a hype man. Proverbs 16, 24. Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul and health to the body. It's the opposite of the thing that we feel like saying, when we most feel like saying it, likely when we're hurt and have taken something personally, or likely when we don't want to forgive, or we don't want to love, this is the scripture we need to go to. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the body. After our first year of marriage, Myra and I were making eight bucks an hour each. I shared this story with you guys before. We hadn't slept in like a year and a half because um, our son Blake had a lot of ear infections, so. He did not sleep for like the first two years of his life. And we were like zombie parents, sweaty, pasty. Nothing was fun about life. Nothing was fun. We had more more months at the end of the money, right? The money ran out. We had two and a half weeks to go. We're trying to figure out how many like soft tacos from Taco Bell can we live on? And for like the next two weeks, like is all categories are miserable. I'm trying to make it sound. Myra and I actually got to the point where we separated for about six months. And I tell you what, me being an being a expressive person, I started expressing things that were just hurtful and not good, not fun. It drove her away from me because I was hurting through counseling, but praise God through a loving Christian friend in her life like literally the only one walked with her during that time as I had a Christian man walk with me. And she called me once, I think we were five months into this, she called me once and said, Larry, if you'll let your words be like honey, I promise there's hope in your future. Man, that scripture, that truth, that verse saved my life, saved my marriage. And I am so thankful for that truth. Because we're all going to hurt at times. We're all going to be in the valley at times, whether it's in our in our marriage relationship, whether it's at work, whether it's just with family. But when you're hurt, let, let God's word, let God's truth and his love, because he is love. He's again trying to give you the secret formula to the universe and relationships to love. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. So love is super natural. I'm standing for you today with more love for my wife and my family. We've been together 25 years now. Praise God. Because we submitted to God's love, the obedience to Christ, we humbled ourselves and said, God, I want more of you in my life. Especially those times when you get wounded or hurt or you feel like you you want to right the wrong. Forgive, forgive 70 times seven. I am so thankful. To love is supernatural. And I'll end with this. Christ truly did come to model this love for us. He could have come and done anything, but what did he do? He walked among men and women, his brothers and sisters who he loved. He could have gone and made himself king right at that moment and taken over the Roman Empire. He could have sat down on that throne and said, no, a new day is here, but he didn't. He humbled himself and he said, I want to show you guys what love looks like. Sometimes it's taking the small position, the humble position, to say you are greater and my love for you is greater than anything. And I just want to model to you what loving others truly looks like. Join me in prayer. Father, we love you so much. I am convinced that we do not, do not totally understand what this thing called love is. We totally don't understand yet what it means that you are in love. And that your love is never ending. But I am so thankful that we get a glimpse on this earth. When we cling to your scriptures, when we when we say that Christ is the Lord of our lives and I will, I will follow him, he has my everything and he is my everything. That you give us your love through him. That you give us a supernatural, forgiving, loving, peaceful, gracious love. Father, remind us of that every day this week. Thank you for that this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.